Hey, what's up, guys? Lucas Burnley here. You are listening to the Edge and Flow podcast. I'm here with my co-host, TJ Schwartz, who is in the shop and just started dropping his new model. I think uh, both of our brains are a rat's nest right now. Yes. It's a natural way of things after a blade <laughs> show. And so just an FYI, we're going to we're gonna get back on the rails here, but we were just talking before the podcast that <laughs> our heads are spinning. So Yeah, it might be a little messy today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, you hit but, the ground running, man, right? You like came in and you were all systems yeah. go. Yeah. So I basically, before I left, I had the Overland Sport machined and at heat treat and it, it basically finished at heat treat when I was on the plane to Atlanta last nice. uh, Thursday. And so I barely missed trying to get one put together in order to take to the show. So when I got back, it was waiting for me. So all I had to do was, you know, basically laser tumble, sharpen the, the one that came back from heat treat. I had three prototypes and then I had to build a set of scales. So I built this week, I built a fixture for the scales, built a set of scales built a, a handmade sheath for a prototype, then built the fixture for the sheath and then production sheaths. And then I was ready to launch. So I basically, my goal for launching is like all materials are in house. I own all the steel, all that, all the fixtures are built. Everything has been used once or twice, then launch. That's like my, my kind prove of strategy the, prove the concept. So yeah. here I'm like slowly trying to find time to, or make time to develop the mini dad. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when you look at building fixtures, what do you like, what do you, what do you budget time-wise to build one of those fixtures? So the sheath is a little bit strange because it's, it's uh kydex is unpredictable. So you yeah. can't like plan it as easily as you can plan. Yeah. It's like a wild the G10. Card. So the, the sheath could be a multi-day thing, but mm -hmm. it ended up working out pretty smooth. So it was like a one day thing. And then pretty much any other fixture is a, basically a one day. Like a solid day. Well, and you've, solid got, day. you've got your process at this point. So fixturing the sport is essentially the same process yeah. as fixturing the Overland. Yeah, it's the same. It's all the same. It's just yeah, even just in, different, in CAD. I, different size. Just, yeah. And like the, the feeds and speeds for doing all my like tapping and milling, I just copy paste it all over. So you can just cut, like if you have a bunch of uh, quarter 20 tapped holes mm -hmm. in both fixtures, you copy paste the cam from the other one and mm -hmm. you just reselect the new holes and then it's ready to go. Man, that's the beauty, right? Yeah. It, it, so the, it, the it's, process keeps it went, delivering. Went pretty good. Nice, man. So I got super happy with that little knife, dude. I've been carrying it. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. But yeah, we launched it, what, two hours ago? We're recording on Thursday right now. Uh, yeah, I've been super happy. It's big. Congrats. Hey, thanks. Um, this is actually, I think this is the first time we've talked since we've been back from Blade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dude, Blade was fun this year. You want to go into like some some high points, low points? I don't know. Yeah, other yeah. points? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would. I guess I just would say the low point was flying out early on Sunday. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. Staying up late on Saturday. <laughs> that that was pretty bad. I'm not I didn't even lie. wake up when you left the room. I know it was pretty bad. <laughs> but I made brutal. it brutal. That Saturday night, man, was. It was an interesting one in the pit. Like I, I tried to go to bed. I was like, I think about midnight, I started to like kind of wake, work, like work my way towards the, the elevators. I didn't, I didn't get to bed till three 30. I noticed that. I, I just, remember. yeah, just like one after another, like good conversations. Couldn't That's get away from it. Something about that, like 11 PM to 3 AM mm -hmm. is like a magical time at blade show. It's almost like, the room is empty enough that like yep. meaningful conversations start to happen. Cause at like 10 o'clock in the pit, there's so many people that it's like very broken, loud conversations. You know, it's like you're talking to somebody mm -hmm. in a bar and it's like, yeah, after it quiets down a little bit, that's where it's, well, it's, it's easier cool. to be anonymous, like, or like slightly anonymous when it's really busy. Mm -hmm. I think that part of it is just the fact that when there's less people, you're more likely to like, make eye contact and see someone that you actually like know and haven't mm -hmm. talked to. Mm -hmm. Um, then when it's just like full hustle and bustle yeah. craziness. Um, yeah. but it was good, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, um, yeah, some really, really interesting conversations. Um, good. but I was, I was smoked the next day. Yeah. <laughs> and you flew out Sunday at like 
later. Yeah, I flew out. I flew out later, so I got to I got to hang around the show for a little while. Um, I actually had a meeting Sunday morning, um, which was good. Um, yeah, man, it was the like just like vibe check on the show seemed like solid, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, Friday Friday is always kind of a wild card because you know, like people are at work or people are traveling that day. You know, they can get one day off, but not you know not two. Uh, but Saturday morning, man, was it felt as busy as ever. Yeah. Yeah. I did feel the same way on Friday. I, there was a couple of moments where I was like, is it less busy yeah. than last year? I, I I felt the same way. And then Saturday, I was like, ooh, this is this is hot. This, there's a also, lot of people. Like, just for the record, for like those of you that don't go to trade shows, after doing trade shows forever, I think it's actually just some weird type of like muscle memory to be like, is it busy? Is it not busy? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Like you just, your brain is just always paying attention to like what the show feels like. Mm-hmm. So I actually have no, no concept of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's busy or not, but Saturday felt, felt like full on busy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. They don't publish numbers on that. Do they? As nope. far as attendance? No. Nope. So uh, I don't think, I don't think there's anything published now. Have you heard a, even a round number of like, what's the typical attendance for that? For Blade uh, Show? Atlanta? I have in the past. Um, and I can't recall it at all. Don't I'll have to ask at all. But I thought I heard like 15,000 or something total. That's an, uh, I, I feel know. like that's probably, that just that seems like reasonable that's stuck in my head, but it might be wrong. Uh, I might be right. I, uh, multitasked while we were there. Okay. Okay. I did my downshift day. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Let's hear about it. Um, it was pretty good, man. I, I wanted to like switch it up and I was like, well, I'm getting into Atlanta a day early. Uh, so normally there is a, there's an underground soccer match between Boker of Germany and blade HQ. Uh, you have partaken in this blood sport mm-hmm. one time we have, before. We have a podcast episode called soccer at blade show. It's <laughs> like do. episode number two or something. Yeah. Oh, really good. Pause. Sorry. Oh, this is a one year anniversary. Dude, this episode. that just made me realize that. Yep. This this is the one year because I think one it's year. T- tomorrow's a year, but this will post after that. So, oh, yeah. wow. I just remember that was the thing I was trying to think of before. Okay. Dude, Sorry happy to birthday to us. One year. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. But we sorry. Soccer. I didn't want Dude, to. Dude, I'll tell you what, keeping anything alive for a year is a win. That's true. Like, that's a win. Yeah. All right. So soccer. So, uh, I was flying in, I flew in Wednesday night to play soccer Thursday and tweaked my back in a gnarly manner and decided that that would not be a good plan. So found myself in Atlanta, essentially in a hotel room with a day to kill. And I basically got up Thursday morning and just split into downtown. So it was fun. The, it was it, the day shifted because when I left, I had like five places that I was kind of like planning on like trying or like areas that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And I was going to start with the high museum of art, um, which is like, like modern classical museum. It's got broad ranging. It's got sculptures, got paintings, got it has design. Um, dude, I spent the entire day there okay. by myself like hit the floor, didn't leave until close to five o'clock. Wow. That, so it must've been pretty voluminous. I think I just needed it. Yeah. Like I, I needed to be in like f- just a creative space. And I found myself just like, I want to just like sit and hang out, which I like, I don't usually do mm-hmm. um, in galleries or museums. Um, did some sketching, um, just stayed like, just stayed like even food. Like I was like, Oh, yeah. I'm gonna like split. I'll go like eat at this restaurant. I didn't want to do it. Would you say that in that museum, was there like a stillness to it or was it pretty busy? 100% stillness. That's awesome. I think it played a big part. Um, and also it had so many venue changes internally that I think what I normally kind of crave, which is this like, okay, like this, like kind of like reset, like creativity. Uh, and that, that, that happens sometimes through like the, the change of location. Mm-hmm. 
I think just changing locations inside the museum um, kind of satisfied that thing. It was mm. just, total, I don't know. It's like pretty nerdy and like, but it was unexpected. But there's a lot to look at in there too. And yeah. Like, like you said, you showed me a few pictures of the show of like the different themes. Mm-hmm. And this is like you're entering different worlds going through there. That's, yeah. I that's think cool. uh, I took a ton of photos from inside and there was, I just felt like a ton, like a lot of inspiration and it's not always that, like you're not always around things that give you like conceptually ideas. At least I'm not like, even if I'm in a creative space, it doesn't mean I'm always going to like pull something like a creative idea from it. Mm-hmm. And it just happened like this day. Like, I don't know, like everything I saw, I just felt like charged by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really good because I felt like energized before going into the show. Um, which for me is always kind of an issue. Cause a lot of times I'm, I'm like run down when I hit the show floor. So yeah. this was like a sick, like pre coping, uh, method for like yeah. a lot of busyness. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. I'm glad you did that. Cause I, I was, I was the opposite this year for sure. Kind of coming in like a ball of fire and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it really shortens your ability on like the first and second night to survive late, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, it's that's definitely, cool, it's, it's a, there, there is a game to trade shows. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I mean, ultimately I think we're, we probably agree. Like number one benefit at this point is like the human element, like networking mm-hmm. slash community element. Mm-hmm. Right. To do that, you have to like kind of be prepared to do that. You have to be on, you gotta be, yeah, you gotta be on on the ball. Um, yeah, yeah. And be able to like switch conversations quickly and, yeah. and kind of adapt. Yeah. But it was, it was fun, man. Um, trying to think of like any big takeaways, big one, man, I got to meet, uh, and hang out with Peter McKinnon. And so did you, um, I've been talking, he's a photographer and has, um, Pete's pirate life, which is like a EDC, like a fun EDC brand. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's weird in the knife industry. You meet almost everyone at some point. I feel like if you're doing shows, Mm -hmm. Pete and I have been talking for like a decade, but there's been no crossover. We've never met. Yeah. That's Um, amazing. And it was really like pretty cool. And there's enough, like, I don't know. There's enough, like, uh, just context. So it's like, we just met up and you start hanging out. It's yeah. like not like meeting someone for the first time. So that yeah, was pretty good. I, I don't know anything about him besides watching his content, but like just meeting him briefly. I mean, he just seems like such a high quality human. Yeah. Know, good dude. In general. Yeah, um, from that, from like the content standpoint, dude, there's a lot of content creators there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I noticed the same thing there. You'd, you'd kind of be standing in a group of people either in the pit or like in the hallway by the show. And you look around, you're like, I know all these guys from YouTube. Yep. Yeah. So everybody, and they, for the most part, seems like at this point, know each other, Mm -hmm. um, which I really, really love because instead of it being like a competitive field, it's, it's almost like knife making where it's collaborative, it's collaborative and I think just uh, maybe generational where they realize like, man, it's like better with friends, mm-hmm. which is like, you think about it and like, what is content creation? Like on a base level is like advertising marketing kind of right. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's always necessarily like the most, like, I don't know, shared space. Right. Yeah. But F- Yeah. That's, I feel like media is a very fiercely competitive thing, but yeah, exactly. In the, in the media YouTube in world, it, it does feel different. It's like, there's two people I've even outside the knife industry, you'll see two YouTubers who seem like they're competing for mm-hmm. views, but then you, all of a sudden you'll see them in a video together and they're friends. And That's it's, pretty, it's, you know what I mean? Maybe, Seems so maybe common. it is, maybe it's that, you know, like YouTube kind of generation slash like genre yeah. where, it is, it's closer to individual. So you're just like more of a, an open community when like they're operating kind of bootstrapping. They're operating more like artists too. Cause right. you know, it's like, it's like musical artists almost in terms yeah. of how they portray themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, collaboration and crossover and appearances and right. stuff like it, crossover. It? I mean, for them, I mean, that's like a huge one. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I was just thinking about like overland stuff and thinking like same, same exact thing. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the guys in there, you know, you see them pop up in each other's video or go camping together. Um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's really cool. 
Yeah. Fun, bunch of good guys. Yeah. It was, it was a fun show, man. Uh, I, every time I go down there, I generally go in not knowing even remotely who I'm going to talk to or what I'm mm-hmm. going to do besides maybe a few typical people that I'm for sure going to track down. But otherwise, like, I'm just kind of like, wait, see who comes to me, see who I run into, just bounce around. And it seems like I don't get five seconds without like starting a cool conversation with some interesting person, whether I know them or not. Yeah. So, and thank you to the people who listen to this podcast who mentioned that because I did feel like we were walking around and there was a, a good number of people that said that they were enjoying the podcast. And so I assume you might be listening to this. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. We actually spent quite a bit of time talking about it because I think TJ and I had shared experiences like separate where we would meet up and be like, dude, like I just had like three people talk to me about the podcast and it's, and it really like, sometimes it just feels like you're kind of like speaking into the void Mm -hmm. and this show, uh, it was just really nice, uh, like positive affirmation. So thank you guys. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, we look at the analytics and you see views and downloads and it's like, who are they? Because that's right. what's going through my head. Okay, right. X amount of people, but right. I don't know who they are. And so, yeah, when you when a person walks up to you who's a custom knife maker, says that they listen, it's like that. That's one of those numbers right there. Like, it that's is, really yeah, I know. cool. And it, was, and it was so broad spectrum because it was, it was knife makers and it was collectors and it was just like other like industry people. Like, mm-hmm. The, the, I was, I was surprised. I don't know why I was surprised, I guess, but it just, it just felt like, and maybe, maybe I'm surprised because we have done, we've done at least a show between, but this is mm-hmm. like much further down the road and it's a much bigger show, mm-hmm. but it, it did just feel like, uh, there was a lot of, yeah. I don't know, people kind of commenting on it, which was cool. So next year at Atlanta, you can hold us accountable. We're going to have merch for the edge and flow. Because yeah. the whole time I was walking around thinking like I I, I'm wearing like a Patagonia <laughs> hat or whatever it was I was wearing. I'm like, I feel like a dummy. I need to have edge and flow yeah. stuff. At least some like patches to give away yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, it was fun. It was, it, it makes, I think trade shows over a long timeline, like they can feel the same, right? Like you mm-hmm. start, I always, I always say blade show for me, like feels like the Coliseum. Like I walk in and I like, I smell the carpet and there's like Mm -hmm. a general level of noise that is familiar Mm -hmm. and the lighting is familiar. I'm like, Oh, I want to be behind my table selling product. And then I'm really happy. I'm walking around, but these little hit points where you can reinvent what it means to be at a show over the long run, I think are incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, I had two, two, like in that thought process, two fun experiences. So blade HQ asked me if I wanted to be a judge for the Bally comp, um, which I jumped at, dude, it was so fun. It was so I, fun. I, I, I keep missing that. And I, I keep thinking that I'm dumb for missing it. 100% it awesome. priority next year, dude. It's, it was it was so positive and the, the crowd was like so engaged and excited and the competitors were like super talented. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a party. Sounds it like. was a, it was a flipping knife party. That's sweet. I mean, and it was so fun. I was sitting next to Dave, uh, from ProTech. Dave Wattenberg from ProTech was the other, uh, judge. So we were, uh, we were like the style judges. So essentially we were the layman judges. Like you don't have to know the names of all the tricks but you just, we want to know if it looks good. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to see like what the technical judges would, would like where they would score versus what we were score. A lot of times mm-hmm. it was lined up, but there were definitely things where, like we would, we would score completely different. Yeah. Just based on like, I don't know, our lack of understanding of like what minutia just happened. The mechanics, and the, whatnot, the yeah. actual mechanics. I, yeah. I went in and I was like, Hey, two things that I'm looking for. I'm like, if you can make eye contact and if you smile, I'm like giving you're like getting style points right there because hype like people are so focused. Yeah. And then there's a few people that like they're just ripping, but they're, they're also light about it and they're like yeah. looking around the crowd and smiling. And I just feel like that's a certain level of mastery. Yeah. So yeah. sneaky. Um, no. but yeah, that was that was super, super fun. One of the best things is this kid. Uh it, you probably saw him walking around the show. He had like a huge red afro. 
Like, oh, I did see him. Dude, yep. full on Bob, like ginger Bob Ross style. Mm-hmm. He had a ballet song in a leg sheath. Okay. That was the handles were a foot long. Oh my gosh. And for his first round, he got up and competed with it and won. Oh my gosh. So he was doing all like all the tricks and like spins and like some tosses, but he's doing it with this thing that is open two feet long. And I mean, we're talking like if you make a miscalculation, there is no cut. Like there is just a missing finger. Yeah. No kidding. It was wild. Dude. Now, now <laughs> I'm bummed. Year. Yeah. Next year. It's only a year away. Yeah. No, that that's so cool. That's so cool, man. So yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, and then the other Fun. one was I did uh, the the um, new maker critique, mm-hmm. which is pretty fun. Yeah, I, I got to, to jump in on that. And I actually I went into it supporting you and just wanted to hear overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I kind of thought the vibe might be that they were they were looking at more. I don't know how you say like forged or handmade kind of side of things, because mm-hmm. it seemed like with most of the judges and uh, I didn't have my Overland critiqued at all. And then after I heard Devin Thomas talking about uh, blade shapes for kitchen knives, mm-hmm. I actually did have him look at the Overland. So, um, Oh, interesting. Yeah. That was kind of cool. That's pretty fun. What was the feedback? Yeah. He did not shred it, which I thought he would. Cause oh. he, he's one of those classic yeah. like Damascus maker types, you know, forging. And I told him, I walk up, I said, this is a manufactured knife. Cause even though in our world, you might not call it a manufactured right. knife, but from in that side world. of things, that's a manufactured yeah. knife. I said, so I just told him the goals hybrid between, you know, a, a outdoor knife, like a camping knife and a kitchen knife. And he actually seemed to really like it. But it also helped. That I told him I knew his brother really well because <laughs> his twin brother visited Darren, visited my shop a while back. So uh, he's, that, he's cool. that was that was fun. So you, you brought up a good point around that, which is it's interesting to see how those panels skew. Mm-hmm. So on this one, there was two that I would. I would say her stock removal, like me, uh, and, and, um, is it, it's Luke Swen, is it Swenson? He's a yeah. slip joint maker, yeah. really, really talented slip joint maker. And then every, the other three guys were all ABS. Smiths, ABS yeah. Smiths. Right. Um, th- there's actually different criteria. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, some people really critique on design that I think is subjective sometimes. Some mm-hmm. people really critique on like I, I tend to lean towards like fit and finish past a certain point. And like, I also think you have to meet makers where they're at mm-hmm. because there's like feedback that is relevant. If you are at a certain or, or like that is relevant at given levels. Mm-hmm. Um, like there were, there was one guy who came in, I, who was from Albuquerque. He was a, like a bladesmith. And I told him, I'm like, I love critiquing knives when the maker is at this level, because this means that I can like get into minutia. Yeah. And it, count yeah because you're good enough that if there's a mistake now we get to like pick that apart yeah 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 you know sometimes you're like this is just a really good knife and you've been doing it for how long and like or you're how old or like it's a hobby and there's things where you're like it's not even that's not relevant yet like they don't know what they don't know oh i gotta bring up what was that gal's name with the the uh jumping karambit thing Uh, it was cool yeah uh, for some yeah. reason, I'm spacing on the name because it was, uh, I'm, it happened I'm fast. spacing on her name too. And that was so outside of like, I think like a couple of people just like passed that down the line. Yeah. yeah right. Because yeah. <laughs> they're like, this is wild. Yeah. Cool concept. Uh, I'm very curious to see if anything comes of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, you didn't do any classes. This. Oh, no, you did. Yeah. So right? I, I got to meet Michael Walker. Awesome. I, sat, I sat down in a Q&A with him. I mean, like as an audience member for yeah. the Q&A and CRKT, all those guys were there. So it was really great to talk to them. They've got new models with Michael Walker um, and talking to Michael about just there was a small enough room where there was it was quiet and it was like it felt like it was all makers that were asking questions. And there was right. a lot of super technical questions asked. And he got like a, a big easel with like a big piece of paper and he was drawing stuff. And like it became a very technical like makers like a master question. Class. And a. Yeah. Uh, cause like, cause I was wondering if it was like, uh, if it was going to be too, I don't know, superficial, like it, with a mm-hmm. Q and a, you never know how it's going to go, but it went super deep nuts and bolts real fast, which was so, I fun. think, I mean, it makes perfect sense that it's maker heavy mm-hmm. because if you are a maker, especially, I mean, into anything pocket knives, 
you you are aware of Walker probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not like you always have access to him. Yeah. So like, this is a prime reason to like go sit and actually be able to like talk. And he invented the liner lock. So if anyone literally invented, the not connected lock. that dot, the, the liner lock and he's loosely associated with the origin of the frame lock too. Right. I think there's some mystical questions around that with the Chris Rivera. I don't know any right. of the history in that little tight area, but yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. the liner lock and the frame lock were kind of convergent design or something. They were similar in, at the same time ish. Um, but he was there in the beginning of both the liner and the frame lock. But I think the liner, the liner predates, I yeah. think, right. That's yeah. the, and I, was it you that told me this, which was like kind of mind blowing that he didn't invent or create or like, um, what, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, implement the ball detent at the same time he created the liner lock. Was it yep. you that told me that? Yeah. Yeah. That, so I asked that question when he was up there, it was kind of getting it well into the conversation. I could tell it was going technical. And I said, so the ball detent is used in a lot of things, not liner locks these days. And I wanted to ask him, like, did you invent that too? And also was it at the very beginning? And he said, no, it wasn't. A, he did invent that, but it wasn't at the beginning because he said it was like years, like three or four years that the liner lock only dragged he would polish the liner so that it was a polished surface mm -hmm. on the blade itself and that pressure was what kept the blade shut so there wasn't like a true detent shut mm -hmm. it was actually just friction and then he realized like i want like an actual uh positive stop well the positive stop wasn't even what he mentioned i think he mentioned the problem with that was when you open the knife you'd get scratches right. from the from the frame uh, and so he was like well if i put a ball in it i can control where that track is and bring it under the handle and that was the idea. And then he's like, oh, I can put a hole in it and it'll hold the thing shut and it'll lower friction. Dude. And I'm like, it's insane how typical that lock is in today's market and how yeah. you just hear the guy talking <gasps> about the origin of that. And like, I'm in my shop. He built like a log cabin for a shop. He's yeah. like real quiet, lives in the hills. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. It's a crazy story. That was So fun, fun addition to that story is after you told me that, I was like, Kind of blown, like, oh, wow, that's weird. Like, no, no detent. Dude, I got to mess with one of the ones with no detent. Really? And I opened it and I was blown away. It felt hydraulic. It's yeah. the only way that I can explain it. And on this specific design, it's like kind of long and skinny, like a clip point blade, like pretty classic, like what we would consider like gentleman's tactical kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, bolsters, micarta scales had through the knife had three sets of scales that were interchangeable. Um, really cool. The way that this specific knife was built, you wouldn't see scratches because mm. the, it was all inside. So like when the, the bolsters were long enough that the track that rubs like where the, where the detent or the lock bar is rubbing yeah. was encapsulated, um. dude, it felt beautiful. And really? I mean, this is, I don't even know what era it had to be like 70s or You're, something. I mean, so this is, a, this is a vintage Michael Walker. Vintage Michael Walker. If I remember right in that q and I think it was the early 80s. When the, I early think it was, like, it was like 80, 80 81, 82. I think it was okay. when this was yeah, all yeah. popping off. Yeah. So 81, I think is when he, he did it. Yeah. Right. The original. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is like early 80s, but it was just something that, as a, as like a modern knife maker who like when I learned to make liner locks, every single one has had a detent. Mm -hmm. It was so strange messing with a knife that didn't have it and simultaneously realizing that it worked beautifully. That's so cool. And so but you have limitations, it, right? Like you have limitations to the design yeah. if you don't want scratches to show, but and how did it feel on the clothes? Like when you're pulling it out of detent position, it felt hydraulic. Really? Like it just, it was super smooth. There Linear. was like resistance on it, but not like grabby or gritty or anything. Uh -huh. Um, that was really nice. I, this is like a total preference thing. I like, I like when knives have resistance. Same. Uh, like the, I see on like on the, the Insta webs, the drop, the like people like dropping mm. the blades, like drop free and stuff. I actually, I don't like that. Me neither. Did, um, did Chris Reeve like beat you up and then tell you that you have to believe that? 
he, he's no, famous. but is that he's is he famous about that? Famous about that, yeah. I wonder if that's a generational thing. I do know where I encountered it first was working with uh, Bob Terzuola. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was this. It's like the same thing. He's like, and I shouldn't just like fall open or fall closed. Yeah, no, you should I have agree. to like intentionally open it, and I love that. And it's still like I think it's the fidgety nature. Like some people are just like, ooh, mm-hmm. it's like really fidgety. Um, speaking of Bob Terzuola. Another super fun part of the show was getting to go to the uh, Knife Makers Hall of Fame inductions. Yeah. It was cool. I did not make it to that, but I saw the pictures and Bob T is the beast. Tell me how that, how'd that go? How was it? I'm going to tell you like emotional side of it first. Okay. A bunch of people cried. Like legitimately they're just there it's a lot of emotion i've been to a few of them now i mean bob's got 40 years in the industry mm-hmm. right this is like big this is this, universally this is like big, loved too I universally mean, loved like and it's an, a certain level of like recognition from your peers and your industry for like a lifetime of achievement yeah it's a big deal yeah right um there was three people uh inducted this year um really Really cool. So, uh, Devin Thomas, Steve Schwartzer, and Bob Terzuola. And like when you think it's a lineup, dude, it's a lineup. We left, and I was talking with um, Tom Crying and Jared Oser about this. And like all of us were kind of like just standing outside. And we're like, wow. And w- there was like a shared feeling that the it's like a certain type of like excitement or like pride that you, that I remember feeling like very early on in the night, like when I was in the knife industry, like just this excitement, I left the room, like feeling that same way, like Mm -hmm. just really inspired. And like, that is so cool. You also realize like, as these guys are talking, so everyone who is, is inducted is, is, um, they have someone present for them. So like Ken Onion presented for Bob Terzuola, right? Um, Bill Rupel present, uh, presented for Devin Thomas and uh, Neil Kamimura presented for Steve Schwartzer. And like, it's the same thing. Like you just realized you're like, You've been, you've spent 20 years like hanging out with this dude or, or this guy is so pivotal in your life as like a maker that, oh man, it's just, it's a lot. Like you hear yeah. what they have to say. You hear the stories. Like also some of these guys, dude, they're just funny. Like Bill Rupel, that dude's funny. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like he can Ken talk. Onion. Devin too. Ken too. Right. Yeah. Like same. Yeah. Neil, the, the um, induction that Neil gave for Steve Schwartzer. I actually went up and talked to him. I'd never met him. I went up and talked to him afterwards and I was just like, that was beautiful. Like Mm. the way that he spoke about Steve and explained kind of like his contributions to the industry. Um, For those of you guys that don't know Steve, uh, they call him the wizard of steel. Um, I'm 99% sure he was the originator of can Damascus, but if that's not a hundred percent true, he was like right there in the beginning, but I'm pretty sure he developed like canister Damascus. Yeah. Like powder metal, Damascus. powder metal Damascus. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's really fun because he just, he keeps learning and he's like, he's probably in his seventies and he's like, his Instagram rips. Like he's posted mm-hmm. videos. Like he's, he's just a, I think like a lifelong learner. Yeah. And simultaneously gives back. So it's like, that is, that's pretty unique. That's so cool. I, um, I believe I've met him, but I don't think, any meaningful way have I met yeah. him just maybe in passing. But uh, so the, it's like a like sidetrack there. Ultimately though, what you realize is like our paths in this industry cross so many times, like growing up, I, you hear about guys, like one of my mentors worked in Bob Loveless's shop. Right. And you're like, wow, that's wild. But as I'm watching Bob T get inducted, I think I worked in Bob T's shop. And it was, it was just very surreal where you're like the, the crossovers and the relationships, dude, they're, it's such a cool industry. Yeah. 
you know Dude, I, I agree completely and like i i'm i'm i miss that too uh that was it was like a I think you had to buy a ticket. I don't think mm-hmm. I got on the ball on that, but that that's amazing. I mean, the history of the knife industry, I mean, it's like basically man's oldest tool. So it's like, man, what, it, you know, there's just, there's almost nothing else like it as far yeah. as like these people are meaningful players in a game yeah. that's been played for tens of thousands of years. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it yeah. really is. And I think that's the, that's like a theme which is our industry is small enough that you have like crossover with like the most talented people, the most well-known people. And if you're in it long enough <clears throat> there, you just find there's like, you know, these paths that just kind of like parallel for a while. It's pretty cool. Oh, it is so, so cool. That was, this show was good. Like when I left, um, I was, I felt like pretty energized. I felt happy with my industry and like, you know, it's different being on like the other side of the table and not like not looking at the show, uh, as like, you know, a, a, as productive, like from a, from like a sales standpoint, like, Oh, it was mm-hmm. a good show. Like sales were good. Customers were stoked when you're just walking it, the metric, like the yeah. value point proposition is different. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like you're spent, it, you're spending at least a good portion of your time talking to makers. Yeah. And the customers are awesome. Obviously, yeah. we love our customers, but like having a balance where you can talk to your customers and actually get a chance with the makers. I feel like, like I said, I haven't exhibited, but I can imagine that's a very different type of experience. Yeah. As far as like being customer facing the whole weekend. Yeah. It's awesome, I'm sure. But yeah. like, it's different for sure. I'm excited for you to do it. And to be honest, like we've known each other for so long. Like I forget, I forget that you haven't done that. Mm-hmm it's so you're just so integral industry at this point that it, to me, it's strange to be like, wait, you haven't been doing shows. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is crazy. I, this I just, year's the first one, right? Yep. Blade show West. Blade show West. His first one. Yep. I'm excited for that. It's going to be good. It is going to be good. Perfect it, fit, man, too. I think like, especially early on, like driving to shows there's, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And yeah, it's, and I've got my employee now. So it's like, it's, it just wasn't going to happen without Dalton and haven't been like, I'm so excited to take him to the show. Cause I came back and I was just like dumping info. Cause he's super curious about it. Cause he's, uh, Dalton's a, he made rings like really mm-hmm. high end rings and, uh, he's a lathe guy. And so he's, he's poured epoxy resins for his rings. Like he does works with brass, stainless gold. Like he's, he's really circled around a lot of the things that we do Mm -hmm. and he actually knows he has like a small collection of like handmade knives that he's traded rings for Mm -hmm. so he's been like peripheral to the knife industry and so he's heard about blade show like for years and stuff and so talking to him about it i'm like i just i can't wait to bring him you know to like blade show west and be like this look at this like let me show you come here yeah you know like that that's gonna be (laughs) that's gonna be fun he uh well i guess you didn't I was going to say, did he work while you were gone? But you were just gone over the weekend. So he wasn't. No, I was, while gone. You were gone. I was gone Thursday and Friday and he was working. He did. You had yeah. two days yeah. with him in the shop. And, and he worked. Uh, he worked the Friday before that, I think it was without me there because it was late, uh, Memorial Day weekend. We went out. And so it was three days in like a week and a half span that he worked without me. Dude, that's and big. It, it went so good, dude. Like. I've been telling him like the, throughout this week because I like I've been able to uh, focus on the Overland Sport and build the fixtures and design it and make all the decisions with that. Yep. And I was looking like today we're shipping Overlands and we started sharpening them. I was I do I do all the sharpening still and I was like he's assembling them and I look at him I'm like dude you were making these knives from the very beginning like he was it's now been long enough that he ran the sile. And then hmm. they went to heat treat and then he stoned them and then bl- he blasted them, tumbled Full them. batch. He ran the handles. He made the sheaths. So it's like for the last month, like he's had probably 90, 80 to 90% of the production load on his shoulders. And it's his first month and it, he's crushing it, dude. I can't, <sighs> I'd I love can't to hear like, it. Can't be happier. So, so good. Which means on Monday, we're doing a downshift, but I haven't told him yet. Oh, so because we have this gap, cause it's like, I really wanted to get this, uh, Overland sport launched. And mm-hmm. also we need to ship some overlands today and tomorrow, but then we we're, we've worked ourselves into like a little bit of a breathing room. 
And on Monday, we're just, I'm going to Monday, I'm going to let him come into the shop Monday morning and be like, let's go somewhere. Let's like, dude, downshift. Good boss. No, that's good stuff. Thanks, dude. Well, it just is because it's team. That's like actual team. And Mm -hmm. like, and it's going to be fun because you get to do a parallel downshift. Yeah. 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 Oh, any thoughts on what you're going to do? You're a month. You missed a basically a month, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember why I missed the day and then I I let it slip, but yeah, something happened. I can't, I forget, but it's hard, man. It's yeah. cr- But that, that's like the proof, right? Like, or that's oh, like part of the reason we're doing it was when this. I hired him. I couldn't yeah. write the very first week. I couldn't leave <laughs> I'm out. in the, in the very first week. Yeah. I mean, I probably could have, but like, I don't know if I would enjoy my downshift No, but, but now, now we're there. Nice man. Yeah. Yeah, that's. The, I mean, I think yeah. that's the value. It's like it is. If you don't actively schedule it, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, any, I don't know, like any any big takeaways from Blade Show? From Blade Show, uh, this is a side note, but there is an awesome group of German folks and yeah. uh, Sonder from the Netherlands who kind of was with them. Yeah, yeah, and dude. I love talking to German people. Like I've, I've German, <laughs> it's a German group. heritage. And yeah. like, I think I was telling you in the hotel room, I was like, I didn't even know him. I never met him, but yeah. uh, real quick, we just clicked and it was like, I don't know. They're, they're interested great, in knives. Man. They're German. They speak really good English. Yep. <laughs> I, I was asking about Germany and they were asking me about the States. Like yep. the whole time it was really fun. They come as a crew. Yeah. Like they hang out. There's probably what, like 20 yeah, and like the four or five I talked to is their first time in the States, or yeah, at least a few, few of them. You know what else is cool is like some of the guys are from like some of the companies. So like um, Leonard is there. He's from Boker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got like Daily Customs. It's really cool. Um, Sam, uh, Raven the Pirates. Yep. So you got like content creators, Dave Swarte, yep. um, Maxi Hench, yep. um, and Axel. They have a, a really cool shop in Hamburg. Felix. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it is like, it's really good. I've met some of them different times over the years, like either like, like I met Maxie and Axel at Boker's uh, mm-hmm. 150th anniversary party. Right. Um, and I've met a bunch of them at Iwa, but they, it's just like such a good, genuine group. Again, yeah. like indicative of the knife industry, but they're out, they're out of their like home country. Yeah. So I think like they're real tight in Atlanta and it makes yeah. it super fun to hang out yeah. with them. No, for sure. And just a, a little side note, it's not official, but Maxie and I are talking about Schwartz knives becoming retailed in the knife lounge in Germany. Hamburg. Dude, I love it. So we're, we're working on that. It might be a while, but like, that's probably going to happen. You know, you so. got, it means you got to go over there. Yeah, it does. I, I told, Rough. I kept telling all of them every time I see them, like, I want to go over there so bad. <laughs> I, I really do. I want to go there bad, but super. Okay. That's a good, I, that's a great reason to go though. That's the thing. Like, that's excellent. And I guess what I'm touching on there is like the international aspect of Blade yeah. Show. That's that was a takeaway. Um I re- I taught I hung out with uh Tactile Knife Co. Yep. And those guys really had a good time with them. Like really enjoy them nice. uh, as people and just as what they're doing. Yeah, good um, dudes. Yeah, just I, I kept telling people because the first question everyone would ask me is like what, what, what did you see out there? What's new? What do you like in what? And, and, you know, they're, they're there to see knives, which a lot of people are, but I, I realized like I went the whole show not looking at knives very much. Cause I was like, man, all these people that I freaking relate to is just good to, to hang out with them. I did the exact same thing. Yeah. Like it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't product focused Yeah. at all. Yeah. People before product, man. People before humans product. are humans are important. It's it is good, and and I was up too late and then <laughs> very very <laughs> tired. But I I don't know how you made it Sunday, man. Honestly, <laughs> that's brutal. You, I remember we were we were like in the hotel room. It was like three a.m. You're like, dude, you need to go to bed. I'm like, oh my, my alarm my alarm set for five, <laughs> so I don't think it matters. Like an hour and a half of sleep is no more than zero sleep. Oh, so did you sleep at all? Uh, no. Well, on the, like in the hotel room, like oh, an hour. Yeah. Dude. Um, and then, yeah. Cause like with the Atlanta airport, you really got to set aside some real time, some real time. And like, it's an hour to the airport. So it's like, you have to get up early to go to there. So it, it was fine. That's, but, uh, that's why I had a six o'clock flight. I know. PM, PM. It's critical. I know. The, the AM PM is the critical information. There. I, know. I will say though, the, 
I don't know what it was coming out of Boise, but when I when I bought the tickets, I was pretty early. It was a couple of months before that I bought them. There weren't options, dude. It was crazy. It's like the airliners have like batten down the hatches and gotten to like bare bones. Because oh, I, I mean, also, it is Blade Show and you're coming from Idaho. Yeah. So like of all places <laughs> to actually be running into issues. Yeah. That's probably as likely as anywhere else. That's right. I, like I'm every like, company on the plane. You're like, what? Right. And well, I'm like, I'm like sitting at the gate getting ready to get on the airplane and Gavin Hawk calls me and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, he's probably at the show asking <laughs> if I've gotten here yet. And I answer the phone and he's like, what are you doing right now? I'm like, about to get on a plane. He's like, me too. <laughs> and I'm like, and I start looking around and he's like hiding. It was, it was funny. So I chatted with him. Those are, they're doing awesome work too. Dude, I didn't even get to see Gavin. This mm-hmm. show for all the, all the conversations and people that I did see, it actually, especially the first day, it felt busy. Mm-hmm. There's like, I like, I didn't see Gavin once. Yeah, that's a trick. He's a, he's a slippery dude, though. He, like, true. I, I, I try to track him down at shows. He's one of the harder guys to track down. That's true. I don't know what it is. He's always moving around. He doesn't, <laughs> I don't think he spends like a ton of time behind his table. Yeah. I think that's the thing. But yeah, he's slippery. But yeah, that's a way to do it. How? Uh, OK, so they had a booth. Mm-hmm. They had employees with them. Mm hmm. Like, give us a breakdown. Like, what, so, what did that look like? Because they've grown a lot. Because I, I rode in the Uber with them from the airport. So I was oh, nice. with, with the squad. I think there was two people that flew in before. Mm-hmm. I want to say he had four employees with him at least, maybe Dude, more. I mean, that's, you start yeah. to have a real team. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I went by three hours into the show or around lunchtime after, you know, the, the first day they were sold out. He's like, it's all gone. So they had like their, they had their couple auction pieces, I think yep. that, and that was it. He's like, I was going to hold some over for tomorrow, but he was going to sell out and like, it was, I don't know. It was so fast that he just let it all go. It was done. Oh, yeah. So That's he's cool. He's, he, I think he's doing really well. And I'm, he, he did tell me, uh, he had some issues with some screws and he was supposed to bring a whole nother range of knives, but that new, uh, box cutter one. Oh, that thing's and slick. They're all like one screw away from being assembled. And that one screw came in with like an issue or something like that. So That's oh. a bummer. That's yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Production problems at scale terrify me. Yeah. Yeah. I've had like just enough taste over the years to be like, oh, you're like working on 200 knives and something's wrong. It's like, ah, it's a lot different than when it's on five knives. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 200x, a small problem is a big problem. It's not a small problem. Um, What else is going on, man? What do we got coming up? Anything? Uh, um, So there's the show in Oregon. Yep, I, I got that coming up. July. Uh, in July, July 29th. Yeah. Yep. There's, um, shoot, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm kind of settling down. I mean, we got a busy, like, personal life-wise, like, yeah. our anniversary's coming up. We got some trips to the mountains. Like, we this month is going to be busy on the weekends, but. But you just get to work I'm, during I'm the I'm settled weeks. into the shop. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to figure out. We've got a family vacation in July that is definitely throwing a wrench in show prep. So that's like basically what I'm working on this month. We'll trying to preempt that Dude, show prep. Things are, things are busy. Um, can it's a lot people might want to hear this. You can talk to me t- slash towards the people listening mm-hmm. advice for me planning for my sh- first show in October, just broad, uh, whatever, whatever comes up. I would say from, and th- these are like all things that I struggle with. So, Number one thing would actually be to like build out the show in your head as soon as possible. So like just create your inventory Mm -hmm. because once you you create your inventory, you can stop thinking about what it is you have to make. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what color handles you bring, what blade finishes, what models and what quantities. Mm -hmm. Um, Big thing for just general trade show, uh, especially if you have output is to not cover your table. Mm-hmm. That is huge. Um, Cause in my opinion, people stop seeing the knives and just start seeing like mass. Yeah. Um, you are you doing a table or a booth? A booth. Are you doing it? Ooh, man. Just like straight time, into it. Time to rock and roll, man. Uh, sweet. Cause you're driving. Mm-hmm. Are you going to mock it up and like design a booth? Of course. 
Yeah. yeah there you go. I mean, yeah. see, dude, you're, you're in like a different, different game, I think, but take change. Take change. Take change. Yeah. What do you mean? Pa- like paper cash? money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, you mean for like cash buyers? Yeah. Ca- yeah which yeah. is the yeah. majority of your cash buyers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll take some merch. So if I had like a prescription for you, it would be build out, build out a list, an inventory list for the show, uh, plan a couple of fun builds. Okay. Either lottery auction, however you want to do it, but, or, or just like first come first serve, but like there's Mm -hmm. only five of this finish. How about this? You, you guys heard it here first. Uh, Darren Thomas, when he came to my shop, he gave me a piece of raindrop Devin Thomas Damascus. There you go. And I, w- I was wanting to make a knife out of it. Maybe it could be for Blade Show West. Perfect. Because I, I told Devin Thomas, I was like, your brother gave me a piece of your raindrop Damascus. He looks at me, he's like, he must be good friends with you then. Because <laughs> <laughs> the word on the street is it's hard to get, but I don't know much about it. It's hard to get. It's good. Yeah. Uh, I love that idea. Okay, so there you go. So you have you have like a, a high-end piece, right? Like you build some flossy pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to do some merch. New hats mm. and like maybe some t shirts. T shirts, people love them, but they got to be sized and like, you, but you're driving. So it's think not a problem. Two, two people in a booth is <clears throat> enough people. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think you're good. Um, that's enough to like spell each other. And yeah, um, depending like our system with shows, we made it really complicated, but to make it fun, like there was mm-hmm. a reason. Um, but two people would have been pretty hard for us. Um, which I'm actually trying to like unpack because if I ever want to do blade again, I have to figure out a method that is maybe a little more manageable for like Mm -hmm. just Maddie and me. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say those things. So like just work in reverse, get your, get your, um, get like your, your show, uh, list plan, like how you, what, what models you want and like visualize how those are presented, uh, figure out what merch you want, and when you need to order it by, um, and then going into it, like you've got your booth design, you make sure you have your change, you make sure you have pens. Like it's all simple stuff, but like mm-hmm. it's all good. I'm gonna I'm have to Dude, figure I'm that excited. out. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited. I'm nervous, not really for the show environment or for like yeah. selling knives, because like I'm gonna be honest, if I don't really sell that many knives, like I'm actually not that's not really what I'm thinking. I just need to get my head in the game and, and do get just like an experience behind me on like how this goes. Okay. Uh, I guess what makes me nervous is like making sure I don't show up like with an underwhelming or, or like that. I don't come in stressed and with like underwhelming supply or like, I don't think that's going to happen. If I don't do it justice. I guess I would say, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I mean, just like as a gut, like how many knives are you going to bring? Cause you have some know. models now, which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Right. I mean, so we're targeting actually having inventory on the shelves. Okay. Um, so that we not assembled knives, but like yep. partially disassembled so that we can ship like on demand, which yep. we'll be, we'll be doing that within the next couple of months. So if I'm taking inventory, I may not have to make it for the show. Right. It, it may be able to come out of standing inventory. Um, yep. and so it would just come down to like, how many are we going to assemble or, kind of a stretch goal. Yeah. Is it possible to bring the blades disassembled and sell them custom configured off the booth? I've, I'm thinking about it. I think, yeah, you could definitely do that. I think two people starts to be maybe a push on that, depending yeah. on like the, how many people are, are like coming to you guys. Yeah. The other area that I would push you on a little bit is like, why are you doing the show? Like bring, I think you should bring some special models just different configurations, things that mm-hmm. people can maybe yeah. only get at the show. Like they're there, some, they met you, you had some funky handle materials, like signature series stuff. Kind of. Yeah. So, I think that would be fun. So you think I should, maybe I could bring like some of this common ordered configurations from yep. my site that are just yep. like on display yep. and then have the main booth display be some special knives. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, that That's where I think the, the, like the game of knife like comes into play around shows uh, is just is strategy. So like, mm-hmm. how can you make it fun for customers? How can mm-hmm. you make it like, how can you reduce pain points? Like how can you give them the best options and the best mm-hmm. experience? And then 
The other one that I'll throw for you is you, you already said like sales aren't the primary uh, incentive, Mm -hmm. right? So obviously you can look at it from the same, like, well, I'm going to meet people. You could also add in what is it that Schwartz knives wants from doing a trade show? Is it, uh, to increase like dealer, you know, uh, connections or is there I, a maker that you want to meet or I'd say for like compared to, I, th- I think we already had this conversation a little bit like months ago, but mm-hmm. I, so you talk about how it's such a different experience at blade show where you're not so customer facing when you're walking and mm-hmm. you're industry facing and you're talking mm-hmm. to people in the, that's what I, that's all I have right. is like that experience. And that means I know a lot of people that are like makers and industry company owners and stuff like that, which is great. But I feel like when I come into a group of like knife collectors and mm-hmm. enthusiasts, I don't, they don't go in the show and be like, they don't see me from their perspective selling knives in the show. So I don't have the like place in their head of like this guy's selling knives for right. us. Right. You know? So it's like, I don't have the street cred or like the, the imagery around showing up to see me if you're a customer, you know what I mean? And I want to build that. And so it's like just me being there with my, my logo and my brand so that people are like, Oh, like he's, he's coming to shows. Like that's, that's part of it. That's probably most of it. Um, other, other like secret sauce pro tips, right? Take stuff for kids. Hmm. Like, we usually try to have some like little stuff that we can give out because kids are yeah. walking around and they get told 10,000 times, like don't touch that. Yeah. And it's fun to reach over the table yeah. um, and hand them something. Well, that's um, why I made the Overland sport. Yeah, totally. Here you go. Yeah. Kid. <laughs> don't cut your finger off. Little, little, quick little story. I'm like, <laughs> I, I put that, you know, I have the in pocket sheath for that with the, with the knife. Uh, like I had it in my waistband and Wilson, my one-year-old comes over and he sees the yellow and he like puts his hand on it. And I'm like, he can't pull that out. Like he's, he didn't have an angle. He's yeah, not like, strong enough. Immediately, he just draws this knife and like swings it around. I'm like, oh no, uh oh. So, oh man, I guess is that intuitive? That's, but, good. That's yeah. good. We I used to when I would do kydex, I would I called it the grandma test. Yeah, and it's like if you can if you get like hand a knife to your grandma, and she can get it out of the sheath. It means that it's like it works because there's a, we forget as makers that you do certain tasks so much that it becomes disproportionately easier for you than for someone without like the muscle, muscle memory, memory yeah. and technique. And so like you, I'll watch, like you watch someone like go to pull a knife out of a Kydex sheath and they're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're like, mm-hmm. no, yeah, not right. Or they'll, sque- right. they'll squeeze the Kydex like right on the blade or something. Yeah. yeah. That's like a whole different thing. Like the, yeah. I was talking about that with somebody at the show. Like the the classic is you put your like index finger up over the top of the sheath and then try to pull the knife out. And you're like, you know, that's that's a severed tendon. Yeah. That's that's called a cigar cutter. Yeah. That's a cigar yeah. cutter. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's like I just I look at shows and I. I try to create as much value around the experience for everyone involved as possible. Um, a lot of times like Cypops, like for us, it shows are like a really big thing. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I'll just like have one in my pocket. Um, yeah. And if I meet someone, I'll just give it to them or like I'll hand yeah. it out to somebody who's like a little too far away in line to like make it to the table or yeah. just like those. You, I just like to have options yeah. basically. Yeah. So, so I, I had a little thought. I've, I've got these Overland sports. The handles are getting made from the same coupons as everything else, even okay. though they're smaller because Ooh, okay. from an inventory standpoint, the process it it's by far the most efficient way to do okay. it. Um, that leaves like a three quarter inch slab that falls off yep. because I have it shifted to one side. Yep. I want to have every Overland sport that gets made something machined out of that so that it's like that so that by default you just have whatever these little things are just piling up dude you're just doing a fob yep that's and all just i hear it. is like a little fob cool fob it, with your yeah. logo and it's like it's already fixtured it's already in the mill and you yep. could, and it's already running a program on that material yeah it could just cut out a, a little something on the side yep. well it's like if you leave that's like a prime like you leave webbing right mm-hmm. and then you just have like dalton clip it and he's yeah. got good hand skills and just yeah. buzz it and you're like blast yeah. it and you have a cool like kind of like yeah, yeah basically like a lanyard bead yeah 
yeah, the, yeah. I'm thinking either bead ish or yeah. like zipper pull ish kind of yeah. kind of shape. Yeah, yeah. That's Love that. that's. I want to do that. That's where uh, that's where Popeyes came from. Popeyes are like a little bead, right? That was the water cu- water jet cut interior drop from right. a side pop. That's so cool. I love Pretty stuff fun. like that. Me too. Um, let's call it, dude. I feel like cool. that was a good combo. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and we didn't talk it. ulti clip. Let's come back next week oh, because yeah, we have some. Clips. That that was another thing I was thinking about, but okay. we're out of time. Ulti clips. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, Thank you for all the positive feedback in Atlanta um, and just like for coming up and saying hi to us. It was really nice to connect with you guys. Yeah, honestly, I came, I came back just so happy. Like you said, just so feel good about the state of the industry, which I often feel coming from blade shows. It's great. It's good. Um, All right, guys, take it easy. TJ, uh, we'll talk soon, man. Thanks. Peace. Later.